Nuclear. Now is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Today, we're putting our paleontologist hats back on. We're returning to something that we talked about quite a while back, really, at this point. Uh, we're getting back into fossil words. And just quickly, uh, would one of you describe to us what we mean when we call something a fossil word? A fossil word is a word that ends up like in, usually just in phrases and idioms. Sometimes it's the word itself. More often than not, it's in a phrase or idiom that only exists in current usage in that phrase or idiom. By itself, you don't you don't run across it anymore. So that's like they're just alive right there. To be fair, maybe occasionally you might. I mean, sometimes some of them have like a little bit of an overlap. It we actually got the reason we re brought this up is we got a uh, email from Bill Harlow in Boston, talking about uh, post no bills and asking us, is that I mean that's sort of a fossilized usage when we when you think about it. We do know it. I mean, I don't really think of handbills right now in a normal way do you guys or not no no and this is not actually a phrase that really has any meaning uh where i live i think post no bills is in maybe in much larger cities or maybe coastal cities yeah well you see it in new york all the time like on on a, a wall that was built around like a like a subway a sidewalk shed or something and they would just put up these things saying post no bills i.e don't stick posters on here yeah but i would never call it a handbill anymore i just don't think of it as a bill like that at all so that's like an example of a fossilized word and a fossilized phrase. I mean, because the usage even of post no, like Kathy said, I wouldn't say don't post. I wouldn't even say post. You wouldn't even say post. No. Say, what would you say? Don't put posters Yeah, up. don't put posters here. here. Yeah. <laughs> but this is interesting, though. I suspect this phrase post no bills is easier to paint on a wall than don't stick any posters here. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not even now you're probably not going to write something like don't put posters here, but uh but post, you know post no bills i guess has i guess that's what we're getting at it has its it has its use with that phrase but only with that phrase right that's sort of the subtext of this talk as well because the first one that we're coming up to is uh is a muck a m o k which really isn't as much a fossil word but it's a word that basically is only used in one phrase run amok and i think that's interesting um because, I mean, a muck comes from, although there is a, actually there's a Star Trek, original Star Trek episode, A Muck Time. I just thought of it. Yeah, that's what I was, it's so funny, that was just flashed in my head. Look it up, Kathy, quickly now. But a muck basically is, basically a muck means a, a violent, raging, uncontrolled behavior, running amok. And, you know, we, there are numerous instances of running amok in the streets, etc., and it basically, except for apparently this one Star Trek I'm thinking of, I don't know if this used elsewhere, it's basically usually only used is that phrase, running or run amok. One interesting thing I want to throw out is that um, when we looked it up, a lot of dictionaries, the, it comes from Southeast Asia, and it was known as a, in um, Malay as um, amok, and a lot of the dictionaries now, mangamuk means running amok in Malay, and a lot of dictionaries make sure to point out that it's not confined to Malays or to Indonesians who also speak a similar language, but to everyone it can now refer to. 
However, I want to throw something out. This really got me. Run amok. You always say run. But there's another word. I want to see if you guys think. I just thought of this. There's another word that's similar meaning. It comes from the Vikings. Do you guys know it? Berserk. What do you? But you don't say run berserk. You say he went berserk. Yeah. Amok uses the run verb. Berserk uses the to go verb. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that is really interesting. Let, let's back up just slightly. You mentioned where it comes from, but it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of like a a temporary uh, homicidal psychosis. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did you know that? How did I know that? I don't know. However, people know things, but yeah, <laughs> like, like like berserk. Um, it's uh, and you said it in any any sort of Southeast Asian type culture. Well, the the word itself comes from that. The word itself comes from the melee. It, run amok is a direct translation of the melee verb mengamok, which literally means run amok. Dictionaries, though, want to make sure that, it, I mean, the term means murderous frenzy in melee, but they want to make sure that, I mean, you, it, running amok isn't confined to Southeast Asians. <laughs> right. Okay. 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 <laughs> but I guess they're so nervous about Thank that, they want to make sure that, that we realize it. And every dictionary we looked at made a point of saying, look, it's not. It comes, the word comes from there, but everyone can run amok. And sure enough, we just talked about another area, Vikings, who have berserk, and they're Northern Europeans, and they can go amok too, or berserk. (laughs) But the berserking was a good thing. Well, it was good because the Vikings always were killing people. Yeah, it was good for for them. I'm not sure it was good for the... You wanted to go berserk (laughs) for a little bit. (laughs) Um, the next one is one that always fascinates me because this is one we could have actually easily put in the misused, uh, most confused words thing that we did before because it's a B, bated breath. Right, uh, you're waiting with bated breath. And it's B-A-T-E-D, not B-A-I-T-E-D. Thank you, yes, because you constantly see it with the A-I now as if you're fishing, and it's not the case at all. And this is a case, we've talked about a thesis before where you lose um, the first vowel. And that's where the baited came from. It's actually from abated, which we do use. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, it it, it, it makes sense, like, in terms of uh, it's easier to understand since we use the word abate. That's what I'm getting Precisely. at. Precisely. Exactly. But we don't say baited. Do we say, have you ever seen baited used without breath? No. Ross? Never. Yeah, nor I. I was going to ask Fletcher. Here's a phrase, and do you know what a batten is? A batten? You like batten down the hatches? Yes. Uh, well, obviously, I only know it in that phrase. And no, I don't know what a, I always assumed batten was to, like, uh, you know, whenever I heard this, I always thought about doors in a on, like, the, the floor of a ship that are open that you use to go down below the ship. I don't know nautical terms. And, um... And you had to you had to make sure that those were all locked tight. Uh, but I don't. I mean, is that it? I don't know. That's it. But it was funny because Kathy and I were talking about it. And I asked Kathy when I first saw it, what's a batten, and she guessed um, uh, like a rope because to kind of th- keep things down, which I thought was as good as any guess. She asked me what I guess. I said I don't know. Rope sounds fine. It's not a batten. Is actually a strip of wood or a bar nailed across uh, boards to keep them down. So actually. Um, batten down the hatches would mean cover the hatches with tarpaulin and then nail down um, the tarpaulin with wood to keep it not blowing. When you think about it, though, I'm thinking, boy, was I stupid, because batten baton. Baton the hatches. 
I, I, how could I not have thought? Of, I pictured a rope. I, I, I knew it was nautical, but I pictured like one of those thick ropes with a big knot, you know. But of course, baton. No, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, but I, I never did. I thought I agreed with you. I thought rope sounded reasonable because you always picture lines or ropes and ships and stuff. Well, there's all those ropes on ships. Yeah. <laughs> We're not nautical either. So. Was this word batten used in other in other ways uh, in an earlier time? It was always used to mean a strip of wood. It's just that I think most often it was used uh, in the nautical sense to, to, to prevent the leakage over the hatches. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we found in the OED from 1700s. I'm looking at trusty Oxford English Dictionary, and they have usage uh, in carpentry fairly. The battens next to the chimney were broken, 1658. Uh, the second floor should be built with wooden battens about three inches broad. So I do guess to some degree it probably was used fairly frequently in carpentry as well, as well as nautical. But it was always a strip of wood. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. And I don't think if I were building a house now, I would talk about battens. I don't think anyone would understand me, though. I think it's really pretty much fading because I'm looking. Although, actually, wait a minute. In 1967, the Times Review of Industry, in smaller factories, management will often put in batten fittings without reflectors. I have no idea what that means, but presumably they did. <laughs> but aha, batten is also a verb. Yes. But not since like, the, it's never mind, it's old verb. <laughs> old bad verb. Batten. Let's batten down. I think we're enough batten. We're going beyond the pale here, <laughs> Ross. I'm using your little trick. Catch that? Beyond the pale. Okay. Where, what do you think in that case, Fletcher? Why beyond the pale? What is the pale? I have a tiny little inkling that I know this, but <laughs> I can't get there. You're going to have to tell me. Um, pale in this case comes from the Latin palus, which is stake. It means a, fen po a fence post. So beyond the pale means outside the boundaries, beyond that fence post limiting, you know, denoting our area from their area. Okay. No, I wouldn't have gotten that at all. <laughs> but now I have a question for the two of you. Can you think of, okay, so pale is a fence post, which also means it's, it also means like a stake or a pointed piece of wood. Can you think of something that we do use that sort of version of pale, a variant of it, where that, that meaning of pale works? It's a pointed stick of wood. A steak. Im impale? Yes. <laughs> a la Dracula. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Which I never thought of. I never really thought of what impale meant. You know, it's just like impale, you know, steak. Yeah, it's just a word. I don't, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I took a Russian history course at college. So that one I, I knew automatically. I, I mean, actually, because I kept, there was the pale. I think it's famous because uh, Catherine the Great had the pale of settlement which was where Jews were allowed to live and they were out, you know, beyond the pale, outside of the pale, in effect. It was a concession in that area and, you know, thus began a lot of uh, problems later on, obviously. So I kind of knew that just from that and I, from Latin I knew palace. So that was one of the, that was the one I actually knew, unlike Batten, which I had no idea of. This next one though, to segue, this begs the question, this is one that Kathy's <laughs> pet peeve, that Kathy, I think, has repeated 5,000 times to me why I'm using it wrong and everyone else is too. Kathy, take it from here. 
I, I am, and I'm actually embarrassed to say this is one of my pet peeves because everyone nowadays uses begs the question to mean raises the question. No way, I am, about... I am on your side, Kathy. <laughs> Yay, Fletcher, I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I go insane because it's, it's so common now and it's always people using it thinking, I think that they're using it in that highfalutin way. It's like, don't I sound grand? Yes, this begs the question that blah de blah blah And they're wrong. It begs the question is a logic term. It does not mean, it's not a smart way of saying raises the question. It means it's a former logic term. Um, it means that you're trying to prove something based on a premise that needs to be proved by itself itself. So you're it's it's erroneous logic. You're trying to prove something based on an unproven premise. That is what begs the question is. The premise like presupposes the conclusion, right? It's like a circular argument basically. Very nicely put. Exactly. Like like begging the question that's the sentence I came up with as a sample is French films are the best because they make films better in France. That's begging the question. (laughs) What shocked both of us after Kathy informed me of how to use it correctly, (laughs) we found it in a a lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, who was a, I mean, who was a Harvard lawyer. And he literally stated Mueller, uh, Mueller's special counsel appointment begs the question, are our civil liberties now at risk? Which is a clearly wrong usage of the word, which of the phrase, which I thought was really interesting. I'm not sure what a kind of a lawyer he well, is. Well, Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> Maybe that begs yeah. the question in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm I'm with you, Kathy. Now, as as I've I suppose stressed many times, I don't really go around correcting people because I I generally just try not to do that. But that burns my ears every time I hear it, and I hear it all the time. It's really common. Yeah. Well, we found out it was more common. Begs the question. We just just plugged it into Google. And the the first, I think, couple of pages of results, it was wrong use. I mean, so I don't think anyone knows the right, correct usage anymore, except for you and me. <laughs> <laughs> and we're right. <laughs> we're just going to keep our mouths shut and be upset. Katha, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let you go with this next one by dint of, because this one, go on, just do it. Because this one doesn't really bother me. Okay, this is by, but it, why would it bother Oh, wouldn't, you? it shouldn't bother me. By dint of, Fletcher, where it's dint uh, um, yeah, I got nothing. Well, d- I, this one I, I don't use that much. That's why I guess I was hoping Kathy would take it because do you do you do you ever use by dint of? I don't really say it. Dint. Um, actually, no, I didn't think about it. You're right, never. Because that's why I didn't. I was surprised we put this on, but we've now that we've done it. Dint uh, <laughs> is by dint of means by force of, and dint is an old English word which makes sense when you think about it. I.e., dent dint in this case a blow struck with a sword or another weapon by dint of x then it became the idea became subduing by force and now is fossilized in our expression by dint of x where x can stand for your charisma hard work in other words you're doing a blow by dint of my charisma i will become famous okay not only do i not use it i don't can't imagine the last time i've seen that other than like like something like this where you're explaining by dint of yeah no i'm actually thinking why did we put it in i have no idea by dint of because it was on some list (laughs) (laughs) let's confess (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna plug it into the engram but you go ahead ross with the next one i'm just curious the next one is one of my pet peeves which is just desserts which, what does the desserts mean there, Fletcher? And I hope you don't say honey. 
the desserts are the things that you deserve. Right, exactly. This is a surprise. It comes from the Latin. Um, it's the as the past uh, participle of deservere. Um, this one is surprisingly common. We just saw all over the place um, just desserts spelled like a dessert. And um, a couple of times we found it sort of as a cutesy sort of thing. But um, that's just a very common mistake. Well, so common that people will correct you when you write it correctly. Right. Have you guys heard people now who think they're being correct by saying just deserts? Yes, I have. You have, Ross? Yes. I just real when you said it, it just suddenly stuck in my head as some memory of someone saying it to me, champing at the bit to tell them they're wrong, but I didn't. I was polite. <laughs> it's like, no, it's okay. This begs the question, what are they trying to do? <laughs> it does not. <laughs> Kat, any news on the by dint of front or anything on that or not? Okay, I checked, and it was uh, uh, at its height in books in 1823. But interestingly enough, since 2013, it's it's starting to go up again. It went way down, and it's on the rise by Dinto. So maybe we're contributing to it. I'm wondering if it's part of the let's all sound smart, Allah begs the question, and by Dinto sounds, I don't know about you guys, but I'm noticing a certain... Um, writing particularly writing style where people use slightly antiquated phrases and words i i believe thinking that they sound really like you know smart have you guys noticed that and i'm wondering if by dint of is part of that could be it's definitely on the upswing but i don't know why by dint of my age hunting hunting to something about covid by dint of by dint of the fact hmm. yeah i'm seeing it but not a whole lot no, well, we can politics. Trump is impeached but again only by dint of tie-breaking vote. By dint of his naturally, yeah, it's it's out there. Axios, the Independent, Washington Post. Let's throw that word overboard and go to the next. We're talking flotsam and jetsam. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the difference, Fletcher? <laughs> oh man, you know I did at one time. Um, oh, I. It seems like one of them is something that's floating around and another one is something that's expelled, but I'm, I don't know. I, I, I don't have it straight. I did, I did at one point in my life know the difference. Yeah. That's a good guess because the flat, so part, the flat part is float and it is, it's flatte to set a float from the old, uh, from French, German, Latin from a long time ago. It is. The flotsam is stuff that's floating on the sea. The jetsam comes from the Latin, um... Actually, it's sort of interesting because the Latin word is uh, yacto, yactatio, and then the I switched over to J, so it's jacked, and then it becomes various ways, becomes jetsam. Jetsam is you're throwing it, flotsam is it's floating. Thro sense. Throwing it, like throwing it overboard. Yeah. So, so like the stuff that you e eject, I guess, that sort of sounds like jet. Exactly. Now, do you guys ever see, I just plugged them into the engram, and I found that flotsam and jetsam were both equally used. Now, this is individually, but flotsam now is much more commonly used than jetsam. But I was thinking, I do sometimes think I've seen flotsam. I don't think I've ever seen jetsam by itself. To me, that makes no. sense, though, because you probably nowadays are restricted from throwing stuff overboard. or you, you, And if you are, you don't want to admit it, where stuff is like plastic. <laughs> I like that. The only flotsam and jetsam I ever think of is uh, the I Love Lucy one, where she's talking about being a piece of flotsam when Ricky forgets her birthday. <laughs> I think there are probably some Little Mermaid fans out there who, uh, who also know the names flotsam and jetsam. Some. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> um, 
gosh, how many do we have here? We should go quickly. Okay, the next one, this is this is one where I don't think I've ever seen this word by itself, at loggerheads. So-and-so is at loggerheads with something. No, I don't know what a loggerhead is. I assume that has something to do with, uh, if that feels nautical as well or, or has something to do with water. No. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, I don't know what that Actually, is then. It, Loggerhead means a blockhead, and it, it actually came from then literally a thick block of, of wood that was fastened to a horse's leg. It was a, called a logger. Logger is a logger, log, logger. I'm trying, I sound too much like the beer. Yeah. Although, can I throw in, a, in defense of Fletcher, it could also be, according to the OED, a post in the stern of a whaleboat. So maybe there is a slight See? nautical taste to the word. <laughs> Thank possibly. you very much. <laughs> I got to go now. It also could be a turtle. <laughs> I win. Ah, I think turtle. I did know that. Uh, in a literal sense, what does that mean to be at loggerheads? Actually, it got it with the log sort of uh, with the stupid thing. It then also got into idea of fighting and et cetera, I think is possibly with the idea of using a heavy, a heavy tool like that block used as a weapon. So from there, it could become in disagreement. That was from the 1670s only, though. But it was first recorded in the 1670s. So you have a block of, basically a block, uh, a big heavy block, you're using it to fight, therefore you're in disagreement. That's the one possible etymology. And it's an odd, that's what one of those ones that sort of seems like a real stretch, interestingly enough, you know? But I mean, I mean, I'm saying that that's right. But I'm saying it just seems odd to me that that would have become the phrase. You know what I mean? It's like one of those weird uh, outgrowths because it is to come to blows. That sort of implies that you're picking up a bunch of uh, <laughs> a bunch of blocks lying around to bash on a person's head. It seems the odds seem to be rather low on that. But then they do. But wouldn't say you say then like we're being loggerheads or using loggerheads? It's supposed to be at loggerheads. Is the is the phrase usually? Yeah, no, you're They're right. At loggerheads, and it just seems weird. But they think that yeah, it was like they think that maybe it was using the loggerhead as a weapon. But it just strikes me as very odd. But I mean, I don't. You don't normally pick up big blocks of wood to fight with. Usually, maybe you do in old England. I don't know, but. I agree with you. It does sound sort of odd. Yeah, because fisticuffs makes more sense, which you never see now, which I love, though. Fisticuffs, <laughs> I think, is it's a lovely word. I do, too. But that makes more sense to me. You're using your hand. I right? think you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't make too much sense. I give that short shrift. <laughs> <laughs> don't look so proud, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so short shrift, I don't, I don't know if this is something I made up in my head and I've always imagined it or if it actually has anything to do with it. But I always imagined short shrift uh, being related to having a sheet that was too short and you pulled it up uh, and, and your feet stick out at the bottom. Hmm. That's very imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I just leave it at that? No, it, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with the yeah. sheet. <laughs> but that's a very nice, you're thinking of short sheeting. Yeah, well, I mean, this this comes from when I was a kid, so that's probably that's probably right. It, it actually comes um, from religion. It comes from uh, confession. It comes from a uh, meaning of confession to a priest. Shrift was a pen, or it was penance imposed by the priest after confession. So you would do shrift, or you were given shrift. It comes from the Latin scribere, which means to write. And that from there, it got to the idea of like writing penance, etc. And short shrift means you only have a brief time to confess 
for condemned criminals before they get executed. So it has sort of a downer kind of uh, definition. Wow. There. That's kind of like no fun. But that now it just means like short shrift isn't down anymore. You just you make short shrift of something, you do it quickly. You, you do yeah. something summarily, correct? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, th- I had the idea that short shrift was not giving something as much attention as it deserved. Yes, that's, that's true. That's yeah, you're right, actually. What am I talking about? Yeah, you give something short shrift, you're, you're dismissing it. So you're dismissive to me, right? Yeah. Sort of like the poor criminal who's not getting a long time to confess. Yeah, screw them. Sorry. (laughs) Oops. You're right, though. Yeah, short shrift. How come, though, now, because I'm seeing it's also you you make short work of. Yeah, but in a dismissive sense. But I've never heard it used that way. Well, short shrift means, like, dismissively, a barely adequate time period to do something. Quick work. I don't think you would say, like, I made short shrift of... uh, of of my uh, podcast or something, I would say. I mean, or I made short shrift of this job. I, I, that's a negative way. Yeah, mm-hmm. un- unless people are just misusing it. I mean, ma- yeah. maybe people are, are using the phrase incorrectly and they're using it to mean I I made quick work of something, um, when when that's not actually what it means. That's possible. No, because but... it, it loses the whole. It's without sympathy, given little attention. I mean, it, it there's a ne- right. definite mm-hmm. negative connotation to it. Yeah, I'm just saying if if you've seen it the other way, it might be just that people are misusing the phrase, uh, and maybe that's happening more and more often. Very possibly, given like what we've noted. Yeah, it's just a guess. The next one, this one, I I just thought was interesting because never thought about it. Is pinking shears. The word pink in that. Yeah, what does it mean, Fletcher? Pink in this game. I, I got to be honest. I I've barely ever heard this. Pinking shears? Yeah. You're kidding. That's interesting. No. I guess maybe because we both had a mom who sewed. Because I always heard pinking shears. Yeah, me too. And I always like how it sounds. I always did too. And I always was curious. Well, pinking about shears it. are those shears, and they've got like they do to cut. They have a zigzag. They're like a sawtoothed edge. When oh, you okay. Cut with them. Yeah. Well, that, and that, as Kathy shears. just gave away, what pinking means is pinking means piercing, and the sawtooth edge cuts in a kind of uh, sawtooth way. Pink also once meant tattoo, which is interesting. I like that. You're pinked. So it's a verb, to pink. To pink. Huh. Technically, yeah. yeah. It's also old slang for getting drunk, but those days are over. <laughs> I, I tried to use that for years when I was in my 20s. I thought getting pinked sounded so cool. I was like, wow, let's get pinked. Never caught on. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> okay, the next one I was going to make a segue, but I'm not going to bother because we're in a hurry is take umbrage with. What does umbrage mean, Fletcher? When you take umbrage with something, it means you uh, you take issue with it. Right. I don't know anything about the word itself, though. Uh, I, I know it's a, she's a character in Harry Potter. That's what I was always <laughs> thinking of Dolores. <laughs> Although that might be spelled differently. I'm not sure. This was one where when you look at the word, it makes sense. It comes from the old French, I assume it's pronounced ombrage, shade or set shadow. And it was once used to talk about actual shade from the sun. And then it moved on to start meaning a figurative shade, uh, doubt and suspicion. And that's where we're getting, and then taking of offense, and that's where we are now, throwing shade in effect, which is a, you know, a word, a, a phrase that we do use. But it's one of those ones where you really, when you think about it, of course, umbrage, umber, you know, it, it was odd when I suddenly realized that I never thought about that before. Or not really why would i think about it is that related to to ombre uh like mm-hmm. yes the like when you're blending colors or whatever yes mm-hmm. okay it's all, all the same Latin. thing with shade shade now the last one we have here is actually one of my pet peeves it's really interesting it's two wit the wit part of two wit one interesting thing before we go into this is you can always there's a certain writer 
who writes on finance. Sometimes he does it anonymously. And I can tell if he's writing because he throws in, I mean, just a sprinkles to wits all throughout his writing. And it's immediately <laughs> obvious. I know the person who's writing it. Anyway, what does wit mean in to wit? I don't know. I don't even know if, is that is it a verb? Like, is this a, is this a, I mean, is to wit to doing something or I, I never understood it that way. Yeah, we should do a, a sentence with to wit. I must say, Ross, that you were just saying, look, I use to wit when I write stuff. I, when I write like little posts and I'm trying to be funny, I do two wits. I hate to say it. Okay, you're not the financial writer I was referring to, though, so we're fortunate <laughs> on that one. Well, don't wonder. You haven't seen my bank account lately, have you? <laughs> if I were. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a sentence that they just put in the Wall Street Journal. Um, that means some of the most visible dissenters from the Trump coronavirus policy are themselves in charge of managing the pressures of the current surge, comma, to wit the governors. And to wit worthy winners such as Phoebe Bridge, etc., do you understand what it means there now? Yeah, no, I, 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 so I understood. I understand what it means in our usage. What I mean is, where does it come from? Was it a verb? Why is it to wit? Oh I, yeah, that's wit, what I don't. Wit was a verb. Okay, you're right. Okay, the verb meant to know, which is very nice and basic, which makes sense too, with wit being you know brains and stuff. Right, and then from there it became basically namely, you know, I mean, namely that is whatever in that sense to wit. Right. And it stopped being used like to the ver as a verb way back in like what the 16th century. I mean, Shakespeare has two wits in there. I mean, wits that way, but he had it. Well, the one example I just see right in front of me, he has wit as wheat, the world to wheat. Um, but yeah, I, we haven't been using wit as a verb since then, except for in the phrase to wit. But I'm curious, has to wit gone up in popularity recently looking at that? Because I hear it all the time now. I see it all the time. I suspect, Russ, because, again, I think it's part of that, like, begs the question thing. No. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at the engram, and it's not used much at all. <laughs> really? It's just that one guy who writes the financial <laughs> column. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's gone up the teeniest bit in, in 2017 from 2000, from, from 2000, but it's not common. Wow, I guess that, well, as Fletcher said, I guess it's that one financial guy. He's everywhere, so. I'm going to check the uh, corpus of, of contemporary usage here. I'm going there to see to wit. I think I see it a fair amount, and I think it's, um, I'm seeing a fair amount of it. And it's in a lot of blogs, and I think it's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it does, okay, the impression I'm getting is that it's like when I use it, when you're trying to sound clever. I won't stop the debate. To wit, I saw the comment. I see two examples here. Another one from the Wall Street Journal. So there might be that. Maybe it's the same guy writing it. I don't know. And then Billboard has another <laughs> uh, to wit as well. But I'm not seeing. I do see what you're saying, though. It's gone down in usage. I wonder if it's on the upswing as well. I don't know. I'm seeing it like most often as sort of chattyish writing, which is when I use it. When you're trying to set up a blah 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 to wit. Da, 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 da. But I mean, I use it for exaggeration. I want to say that here and now. <laughs> you use it correctly and very well. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think to wit, I'm not going to use it correctly. I can't segue it correctly, but whatever. <laughs> you could say that we're at the conclusion, are we not? To wit, I think we're done. Very good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I do do use it. I do. <laughs> Thank you.
This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.